Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. Last week, Pastor Mike kicked off our Compassion Series, and he talked about perfect vision, to see the way that Jesus sees, to hear the way that to hear what Jesus hears, to move the way that Jesus has called us to move. And he talked about the prodigal son. Today, what I want to talk to you about is being moved by compassion. If you are taking notes, which I trust that all of you are, if you have a smartphone, come on, write this down. Moved by compassion. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 35. Matthew 9, verse 35. See, compassion is more than just a feeling. Compassion should lead to action. Today, we're very aware of everything that's going on, right? Thank you, Facebook. We're aware of every little thing that happens in this world, and and oftentimes, we bring awareness to problems. Awesome. Awareness is great. Action is better, right? Action is better, I worked for uh, another pastor in Michigan, and he, he used to say, any idiot can find the problem. We hired you to find the solution. Guess what? You're the solution. You're the solution. We should be moved by compassion. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35, says this, Jesus walked throughout the region with the joyful message of God's kingdom realm. He taught in their meeting houses And wherever he went, he demonstrated God's power by healing every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the vast crowds of people, Jesus' heart was deeply moved with compassion because they seemed weary and helpless, like wandering sheep without a shepherd. The word compassion comes from the Latin, and it means to suffer with. But the English form of compassion actually goes a little bit beyond that. The English dictionary describes compassion as this, a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the pain and remove its cause. I think that's an awesome definition, and it really points towards the heart of Jesus when we think about compassion. You see, Jesus would look upon anyone in need. He would identify with that need. He felt sympathy and sorrow for the need, and he had a strong desire to remove the problem. Whatever was causing that need, he wanted to go after it and remove it. When we read about Jesus feeling compassion, the Greek word that is used there has a very interesting definition. The Greek word there in its verb form actually means bowels or guts and stomach. And you think, what in the world? That's disgusting. It is. You're right. But what the author is trying to get across here is he was moved and he literally felt something inside of him. Has that ever happened to you? Something just moves within you? I got to tell a quick story. My son, I love him dearly. It's funny. So for those that don't know, my wife and I adopted 
two kids, Mick and Callie, and they have the same biological parents, but they could not be any different. They are worlds apart, all right? My daughter's a stone-cold killer. Don't turn your back on her, all right? I'm serious. She is stone-cold. I look at her, and I'm like, gosh, I wish I had the confidence she does. I'd be running the world. But anyway, and then I have my son, and my son is kind of tender-hearted, and he cannot even watch. You guys ever watch the commercials where the dogs are, like, really skinny and they need your help? He can't watch. Don't tell him I told you this, all right, please. He's 12. He has to put, like, a blanket up over his head, and he cries. I'm like, wow, which leads me to tears. And then the whole room's crying, right? He's moved by compassion. I love that about him. Jesus literally felt pain. He identified and he desired for there to be deliverance from that pain. If you learn anything at all about God in the scriptures, you learn that he is a God of great compassion. He suffers with people. He feels their pain. And more than that, he wants to alleviate that pain. And that is exactly why he moves in our world today. That is exactly why he redeems his people. That's exactly why he heals and comforts and extends grace and mercy and his loving kindness. It's in order to reach people in their need. In Lamentations 3 verse 22, there's this awesome statement about compassion of God. And it says this, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassion, his compassion's never fail. You ever felt consumed? Come on. Today's day and age, wow, I felt consumed. When my wife and I moved here about seven and a half years ago, I felt consumed more than I ever had before. You guys run at a breakneck speed. Seriously, there's always something going. Look at your calendar. It's craziness. There's always something going. It took us months to adapt to your guys' schedule. It's easy today to be consumed. Lamentations 3.22 is pretty much telling us that if we got what we deserved, we'd be consumed. But his compassions towards us, it's what restricts that. He extends mercy. Lamentations goes on to say in 3.23, they are new every morning, speaking of his mercies. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. I need to tell you a quick story. You see, when I was growing up, uh, every Sunday morning, we would sing a hymn, all right? There's hymnals in the pews. Sorry, pews is just pretty much one long chair. And they were great for naps, I'll tell you that. Um, but there were hymnals in the front, and at some point during the worship service, the, the worship pastor would say, grab your hymnals out and turn to page 432, da, 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 and we're going to sing verses 1, 3, 5, 6, I mean, you know, like, there's 87 verses in those, those hymns. But anyway, I used to go, oh, come on, like, I don't want to do this, this is like, you know, whatever. I just didn't care for hymns. Now when I'm riding in my car, listening to worship music. You know what moves me to tears? Hymns. This song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, moves me to tears because I think about His goodness and I think about His grace and I think about His faithfulness that's undeserved towards me. I don't deserve it. 
You want to know why? Because I don't, I don't reciprocate it the way that he gives it to me. I try to be faithful, and I fail, and I fail, and I fail. His mercies are new every morning, every morning. As sure as the sun rises, his mercies are there. Great is thy faithfulness. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, he's there for you. Great is thy faithfulness. Man, every day, God is faithful to be all that he is. He's just, he's wise, he's loving, he's omnipotent, he's compassionate. Our God is a God of great compassion. Just as God is a God of great compassion, we see that Jesus moves in compassion. If you're taking notes, which I trust all of you are, this is point number one. We, too, are to move with compassion. I said this earlier, but I want to reiterate it. True compassion moves us to do something. Feelings are great, awesome. You like feelings? Turn on the Hallmark Channel. I want action. God wants action. I want to be a man, a Christian, a person of action. True compassion moves us to do something. You see, at one point, Jesus had gone off into the wilderness to pray. He had to break away from the craziness of the world, and he just had to connect with his heavenly Father. And so he would do that from time to time. And at one point, we read about the crowds discovering where he is. They followed him, and they brought him. They're crippled, they're blind, they're dying, they're demon-possessed. And we read in Matthew 14, 14, what Jesus' response to that is. It says, so when Jesus landed, he had a huge crowd waiting for him. Seeing so many people, his heart was deeply moved with compassion toward them. So he healed all the sick who were in the crowd. He was moved to compassion. He didn't just be like, oh, man, that stinks. He was moved. He did something about it. There's another time that we read in Matthew chapter 20. Matthew 20, starting in verse 30, it says this. And there were two blind men sitting on the roadside. When they heard that it was Jesus passing by, they shouted, Son of David, show us mercy, Lord. Those in the crowd scolded them and told them, be quiet. But the blind men screamed out even louder, Jesus, son of David, show us mercy, Lord. So Jesus stopped and had them brought to him. He asked them, what do you want me to do for you? They said, Lord, we want to see. Heal us. Check this out. Jesus was deeply moved with compassion toward them. So he touched their eyes, and instantly they could see. Jesus said to them, your faith has healed you. And all the people praised God because of this miracle. And the two men became his followers from that day forward. He was motivated. He was compelled. He was moved to change that situation. So what motivates Jesus? Well, one, he had a strong sense of purpose to do his father's will. And two, his father's love motivated him. You ever heard someone say the phrase, well, I was moved to do it. I was moved to do it. That's something that we hear from time to time. Well, 
when you're moved, what does that actually mean? What are we getting at? To be moved means to shift into a new position mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. To have been impacted by someone or something that moves you. To have a deep feeling awakened in the depths of your heart and soul. When is the last time that something moved you in the depths of your soul? When is the last time that you were so passionate about it, you felt something on the inside and it moved you? You see, we're, we're passionate people. We all have our passions, right? We all have our hobbies. But sometimes we lack that passion when it comes to the things of God, and that should not be. His love, his mercy, his kindness, who he is, what he's called us to do should lead us to compassion, which is action. With Jesus as our example, what does this look like? Jesus showed love, mercy, kindness, forgiveness. He gave hope. He reached out. He was giving, caring, sharing. He was good. He was encouraging. He lift people's spirits. Ephesians 4, 32 says this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. You see, church, the more passionate that we are for God, the more passionate we become for other people. When you get outside of yourself, amazing things happen. When you're number one, there's a lot of frustration in that. You can't make yourself happy. Other people can't make you happy. When you go after God and the things of God, that's where you find joy and happiness. Church, we got to get outside of ourselves. I'm preaching to me right now. I care way too much about stupid things that don't matter, that do not have eternal value. What we're talking about today has eternal value. You know what I love about coming to this place on a Sunday morning? We have team rally. So if you serve here at the church, which I, I encourage every one of you to serve, we have something called team rally. So we get everybody together, and it's kind of like a pep rally. And it's a reminder of what we're going to do and why we're going to do it. You know what's awesome about Sunday mornings? Things that happen in this room echo through eternity. Echo through eternity. If someone comes into this room today and accepts God, accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that has a ripple effect. I am where I am because my parents did what they did, because their parents did what they did, because their parents did what they did. Church, it ain't all about you. Sorry to break the news to you that way. There's tissues underneath the seats if you need one. Come on, church. Get outside of yourself. Make it about God, and God will give you compassion to move and to love other people. Point number two. Compassion is for amateurs, not professionals. Compassion is for amateurs, not professionals. We recognize that there are professionals in this world that are paid to help people, some of which are doctors, counselors, therapists, law enforcement. 
But Jesus depends, when we're reading the scriptures, Jesus depends mostly on amateurs to show compassion. You see, the word amateur is actually from a Latin word that means to love. God needs people who do it from a place of love. There's a few people in this room that I've shared personal feelings with. Like I said, I only know how to do life one way, and that's candid. And there's some, some, some trusted people that I'm able to pour my heart out to. And I say, who am I to stand up here and say anything? I mess things up constantly. I'm not a professional at this. Just because pastor is in front of my name does not mean that I got this figured out. How many of you in this room, you've had a conversation with yourself and said, I really want to serve. I really want to be more involved, but I know what I did last week. I know what's in my past. I know what I've done, and I can't. It keeps me from it. Church, that should not be. One thing that I don't like in the Christian world is professional Christians. I don't. I don't like it. I've been at this a long time, born and raised in church, born on a Thursday in church on a Sunday, and I feel like I never left. It's a good thing. But you want to hear one of the the most tragic things that I've ever heard, and I've heard this more than what I should. When someone comes to Christ and they're passionate about it, and they're sharing the love of God with anybody they meet, they're in the grocery store, they're in the gas station, dude, I got to tell you something, you're not going to believe this, there's a God that loves you, right? Professional Christians go, oh, bless their hearts. Isn't that sweet? That'll wear off. That'll wear off. Lord, don't let me become a professional Christian. I want that passion and that zeal, and I want that that mercy and his faithfulness to affect me every single day. Church, we get too comfortable. We get too comfortable. Jesus used amateurs. But I got to warn you. You see, there's a risk when we show love. There is. Maybe if you guys know that. When you put your heart out there, when you give someone your heart, there's a risk. There's this amazing quote that I want to read to you from C.S. Lewis. It says this. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one. Wrap it up carefully with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in the casket, safe, dark, motionless, it'll change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. We got to put our hearts out there. You got to. That's the only way I know how to do this. That's the only way that I read about this is you got to love. You got to put yourself out there. And let me tell you, at times your heart will be broken. I've broken God's heart before by my decisions and by my actions. We're human. Let me tell you, 
If we are friends for any length of time, I will disappoint you at some point. I don't want to. It's not my intention. I love you. You love me. But at some point, I'm going to mess up. And I'm going to hurt you. And I'm sorry for that. But we still got to take that risk because we're better together. We are better together. Put yourself out there. Take a chance on doing what God has called you to do. I want to share a story really quick about Pastor Mike. And uh, it's a story that he shared with just the staff in the privacy of a vehicle one time after a pastor's meeting. We went to this meeting with other pastors, and we walk in, and there's this older gentleman that just lit right up, Pastor Mike, and he was so excited to see Pastor Mike that morning. We're like, Wow, we didn't know he was that popular. That's cool. He's going to start signing autographs. So this guy was so excited that Pastor Mike was there. And we got back in the car later, and we're like, man, that, that guy really liked you, huh? And he goes, you won't believe this, but when I first met him, he didn't like me at all. We're like, what? He's like, he did not like me at all. Wouldn't give me the time of day, constantly making like these little jabs. Just did not like me. So one day this older gentleman was in the hospital and God put on Pastor Mike's heart, I want you to go to that hospital and I want you to pray for that guy. And I don't know what Pastor Mike's thoughts were, but I could tell you what my thoughts would have been. Uh, nope. Call somebody else, all right? There's got to be somebody else that he's on better terms with. I shouldn't be the one praying for that guy. But Pastor Mike, thankfully, he's a better man than I am and he did it. So he goes to the hospital, and he walks into this guy's room, and the guy gave him like this bewildered look, like, you are the last person I thought would be here. And as Pastor Mike tells his story, the guy's sitting in this chair, and Pastor Mike gets down on his knees, and he grabs this guy's hand and just begins to pray for him. That's compassion. That's compassion. Can I warn you about something? Compassion doesn't always make sense. It doesn't. You will find yourself in places going, how did I get here talking to this person? What? When we're truly compassionate and we're willing to go where God calls us to go, you cannot fathom where he will send you. This little hillbilly Michigan boy never imagined he'd be on Long Island with all you New Yorkers, I never imagined that. But I just said, God, I, whatever you say, you're driving the car, man. I, he will take you amazing places. He will do amazing things in you and through you. We're going to bring this to a close with our last point. Write down point number three. What moves you? What moves you? There are a few things in my life that really move me, and, and I'm sure a lot of you in this room, you probably don't realize how quiet of a guy that I am. Believe it or not, I'm pretty quiet. You put me in a room full of people I don't know, I ain't saying boo, all right? But I'm here, so this is the context that, that we know each other. Um, but I'm usually pretty quiet, but I am passionate about a few things, very passionate about a few things. And those things that I'm passionate about move me. They move me. Later this afternoon, my wife and I are attending a wedding. And at some point, they're going to open up the dance floor. 
and people are going to flood out to that dance floor. Guess who ain't flooding out to that dance floor? I got one dance move, and it's this. Every once in a while, I shake it up, and I do this. That's all I got. That's all I got. Every once in a while, my wife will drag me out, and we do the junior high thing, right? I can't mess that up. That kind of music doesn't move me, and I, there's nothing wrong with that. I wish I could dance. I can't. The inability to. But you know what music moves me? Worshiping my Jesus. I can't stand still. I can't help but throw my hands in the air and surrender to him. I can't help but have tears stream down my face because of his mercy and his kindness and his gentleness and his faithfulness that I don't deserve. I don't. We don't. That moves me. That moves me. My prayer is that our hearts would not be calloused, that we would not get used to this, that you would not come into this place and go, he's going to tell a few jokes, share a cute story, and then we're out of there. Dear God, let our hearts be soft. Let our hearts be open. I want to share one last story. There was a young boy named Christopher Searcy. And he was playing basketball with some friends on May 16th, 1998. While he was out playing basketball with his friends, there was a drive-by shooting. And he was shot in the chest. His friends picked him up. There was a, a hospital nearby. And they're trying to get him to the hospital as quickly as they could. But at some point, exhaustion just took over, and they couldn't quite get him there. They're 50 feet from the, front, from the front entrance of the hospital. And they run in with great urgency. Come help our friend. He's dying. He's been shot. And the hospital staff wouldn't. They said, we can't treat him until he's in here. We can't treat him until he walks in these doors. We can't. So they wouldn't. Finally, they got a police officer. And the police officer went and got a wheelchair. And they got Christopher into the wheelchair. And they finally got him in where they could begin to work on him. Christopher didn't make it. Christopher passed away that day because of blood loss. I don't ever want to be like that. I don't ever want to be like that. I want to take rules and throw them out the window. I want to take being comfortable and throw it out the window. I want to take what I think and what makes sense in my mind and throw it out the window and turn to this and say, God, what do you want me to do? This church is a hospital for hurt and dying people. It is. But let me challenge you with something this morning. You don't got to bring them here to bring them to Jesus. We want you to. We want people to be part of the family. Why? Because I think this is the best thing ever. I can't wait for Sunday mornings to see you, to spend time with you, to worship God with you. So I want more people to come. 
But God is calling you to leave the hospital and go and find them and have compassion on them and love on them and save them. Because what you do echoes through eternity. Don't shortchange yourself. If I were to give you a list of reasons why I should not be here, why I should not be doing what I'm doing, why I am not worthy, it would be a mile long. But at some point, I got to say, it ain't about me. It ain't about me. Church, it ain't about you. (laughs) It's about him. If you make God number one, he'll give you compassion for other people. Your, your life will never be better. You want to make your life as great as you can. You can only go so far with what you have. But I know my God, my Heavenly Father, will blow your mind if you're willing to give Him everything that you are. It's scary. I ain't going to lie to you. I can't. It's scary because you're saying, God, here's my heart. Here's my goals. Here's my intentions. Here's my fears. I'm inadequate. Here it is. And God will say, I can deal with that. I can deal with that. There are people in your life that God has called you to minister to. There are people in your life that I will never get to meet. I get to remind your kids every Sunday morning that they are missionaries wherever they go, wherever their feet land, they are called to share the love of Jesus with people. Why? Because they have influence. If you're waiting for me to do it, I'm not going to be able to minister to everybody you know. I don't care what your past is. I care that you love God, and you're willing to go forward with him, and that's what he wants. Here's the crazy thing. Sorry, I know I'm taking a while, but I can't help this. I can't help this. Here's the crazy thing. You know what's so good about God? He doesn't go, "Mm, yeah, you got problems, you got issues. This will blow your mind. He uses them. He uses them. A lot of times when I am able to witness to someone, the first story I tell them is mine. Not because of how great I am. That couldn't be further from the truth. But to say, I'm an idiot. I screw stuff up. I'm human. But I know someone who is perfect and who loves you and who wants a relationship with you. People can identify with that. Church, will you stand with me this morning? I get passionate about this. I get passionate about this because this affects so much. It's bigger than our finances, it's bigger than any issue we have at work. Sharing the love of Jesus, loving on people, showing compassion being compelled to move, changes eternity, destinies, families. I have another challenge for you. I'm all about the challenges. 
I want to ask you to do something that you might be uncomfortable with this morning that maybe you've never done this morning. And before you do it, I want you to think about it because this isn't just something you do on a whim. This is something that I'm asking you to change about who you are to the core, your soul. I want to encourage you to lift your hands and say, God, change my heart. God, change my heart. God, give me compassion. Give me love for those that you love. God, I want what breaks your heart to break my heart. God, I want to see what you see. God, I want to hurt the way that you hurt for the lost and the dying. God, I pray that I would get beyond myself and be willing to be used by you today, tomorrow, at work, wherever I go, wherever I'm at in life, whatever I'm doing, God, give me compassion. Give me compassion to move. God, I give you my heart. I give you my priorities. I give you my goals. I give you everything that I am. God, I pray that you'd move in my life. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.